Right, so the way I see it, going back to the the analogy I gave Santa, is that body length for me is ball 15, not ball yeah. 1 or ball 3 or ball 5. And the reason is because we a lot of us don't really make that many mistakes with body language, except with our face. Yeah. So the biggest mistake I see with body language is not about the hands or the movements and the hand gestures. The biggest mistake by far is not smiling during a conversation when you're listening to someone. So yeah. most of us, when we're listening to somebody else speak, we usually look at them and not smile and nod our head. Yeah. So we look really weird from the other person's perspective. So the advice is just smile a bit more. What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vinding. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about public speaking and how to improve your public speaking skills. I want to welcome Brandon from MasterTalk. He's the founder and president of MasterTalk, a YouTube channel that he started to help the world master the art of public speaking. So, so welcome, Brandon. Welcome, welcome. Sana, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So public speaking is something we all have to do whether we like it or not, right? That's that's just how life is. If it's at school, if it's at work, um, it can happen anywhere. So how how do you improve your public speaking? Right. And, and you actually touched upon the answer a little bit in your question, Sena, which is the biggest problem. And the problem is, is that we associate communication with a ton of negativity stress, anxiety, you're going to die. Not the best way to learn communication. So for me, the perspective has always been to dream. We dream about the expensive things we want to buy, the vacations we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about a life in which we're a great communicator in it? And the answer for most of us is never. That's why the first question that I always ask people is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? So I always start there. That's that's a good answer. So um, on your YouTube channel, you have so many videos. I, I just I glanced at some of them and I, I really love them. But if there's a lot of, you know, saying tips and this is what you should do in this situation and stuff. If you have to give like maybe top three, where where do you start? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for the, the kind words. I really appreciate it. So the way that I see this then is like communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is eye contact. Yeah. Another one is smiling. Another <laughs> one is body language, storytelling, the list goes on. Yeah. So to your point, what are the three easiest balls that we can chuckle? I yeah. call them my easy threes, which are the random word exercise, yeah. question drills, and video messages. So let's start with the first one. I'll pause so I know monologue for 10 minutes here. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like star, like destiny, like earth, and create random presentations out of thin air. I always tell people that if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So do that five minutes a day, every day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I need to practice that. Um, so let's let's talk about the body language and smile. So I know I, I love to smile and I think it's just it just makes the eye contact and the smile, right? You know, somebody else is smiling. If you hear somebody is laughing, if you go by somebody as a group, sometimes you just start laughing because you see happiness or you see something, right? So it's just a, it, you're mirroring it a little bit. Uh, but how important is this the rest of your body language? Right. So the way I see it, going back to the 
the analogy I gave Santa is that body length for me is ball 15, not ball yeah. one or ball three or ball five. And the reason is because we a lot of us don't really make that many mistakes with body language, except with our face. Yeah. So the biggest mistake I see with body language is not about the hands or the movements and the hand gestures. The biggest mistake by far is not smiling during a conversation when you're listening to someone. So yeah. most of us, when we're listening to somebody else speak, we usually look at them and not smile and nod our head. Yeah. So we look really weird from the other person's perspective. So the advice is just smile a bit more. Yeah. And put your phone away, right? Don't have yeah. the phone in your hand. I think that's another one, right? And even though it's not a body language, but it's just a signal that, and not just turn it you know, down on your, on your table take it away so you can listen. Um, so what, so, okay. So I, I want to talk about meetings as well, because again, communication, I think that that's the key here as well. It's, it's uh, how to be too good at the communication, but there's different situations, right? So when we say public speaking, if we just take the work environment, um, you have your, you have your, you, maybe your team meetings, maybe you have your board meetings, maybe you have the standup meetings. Um, so does, does your whole, the, the public speaking, the skills, is it the same you use in everyone or do you actually attack it or, or, or go to them in different ways? Absolutely. So communication, I've always believed, Senna, is a multiplier effect. So if we smile more in our presentations, we'll naturally smile more in our conversations and our interactions with people. So it multiplies, kind of like a domino where when one domino falls, all the yeah. others fall. But for meetings in particular, what I would say is I would add three extra questions. So the first question is, what is the goal of the meeting? And what we'll find for 10% of, of meetings that are currently booked on our calendar for next week, we don't actually know the goal of the meeting, so it's pointless. So kill 10% of your meetings. Yeah. Second question, what's the contribution in that meeting? So let's assume that the goal is clear. Okay, this is why the meeting should happen. But now the second question begs itself, why am I in the meeting? Yeah, sure, the meeting is important, but do I need to be in it? Yeah. And we'll find with another 10% of those meetings, we can kill as well because we don't actually need to be there. So yeah. we already saved 20% of people's lives. <laughs> what do we do with the remaining 80%? Yeah. So the remaining 80% goes to question number three, which is how do we communicate our contribution in a way that inspires and adds value? Even if you know the goal, even if you know why you're in the meeting, if what you have to share isn't practiced or sounds inspiring or sounds good, people won't take action on it. Yeah. And we need to see every opportunity like a way to reflect a strong personal brand. So that's the three questions we need to ask ourselves before every meeting. Yeah. Something else I, I think when, when we talk about meetings is also keep asking questions, right? Um, and that's for, for everybody who's, who's attending. And another one, right? Why, do, why always schedule an hour? Schedule 30 minutes, 25 minutes. You will make it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what about, um, so, so, you know, do you speak fast? Do you speak slow, right? Depending on, you know, are you the doctor that needs to give good news, bad news? Or are you in the, the board meeting where you need the attention in a, in a certain way? So how, how does that affect and, and, if you are, I know if I'm a little bit nervous, I speak faster or, or if I'm in a hurry, I speak faster. Um, so, so how I know it's down to practice as well, but, but what are your learnings around the, you know, how fast and how slow and you have to speak? Yeah, I would say pacing is a fairly advanced topic, Santa. So I always encourage people, you know, the random word exercise, do that. Because if you're not yeah. doing the random word exercise, you shouldn't be focused about pacing. But I would say for pacing, what I've learned in my years of doing this is that the best communicators on the planet go quickly and slowly at the same time. I know that sounds really weird, so I'll yeah. give you an example of what I mean. So let's say I go really, 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 really quickly right now. It's really hard to keep up with what I'm saying. 
but if I also go too slowly, I become really monotone. So the key is, is whenever we're in a conversation, we use yeah. both. Yeah. Like I just did there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I listen to audiobooks. Sometimes I need to go to 1.3, 1.4 because it's too slow. <laughs> But that's right. So it has to be a little bit up and not up and down in that, but it's, it's, yeah, you have to give it some interesting points, right? Um, what about your audience? How, how, how much do you need to prepare so you know your audience? Right. So here's what I would say, Sana, for audience building and to get your audience engaged. The first one is really making sure that we're spending time with them. So my advice always is to have dinner with the people you want to serve. And I actually mean dinner. A lot of my success in my early days of Master Talk really came from sitting down my ideal clients, sitting down my ideal audience members for four hours yeah. and just talking to them and asking them questions that most of us don't ask them. For example, if you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas better to the world? If you had to introduce me to somebody who you think would help me develop my ideas further, who would you introduce me to and why? And if you had to remove one thing about my speech, what would you remove and why? These are the questions we don't nearly ask our audience members enough. And that's why we don't adapt. Like, I'll give you a killer tip right now for people in, a, in the corporate world that yeah. nobody does. Is Let's say you're not delivering the best results for your executives. All you have to do is ask the executive a simple question. Who's the best presenter in the, in the company? And can I sit in one of their meetings? That's it. Yeah. It's just nobody does it. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And learn as well, right? And observe and, and take some notes on it. And practice. I think the practice. So how much do you practice? Is that the, the five-minute topic every day? Or? Too much. So so for me, I always like to give the easiest version of the excellent podcast. Don't overwhelm people. So anything that I teach people in a podcast, I probably multiply the difficulty by like 50 or 100. Yeah. So for me, the question drill is, you know, getting asked questions is a day-to-day -day basis. I probably get asked 50, 75 questions a day. Yeah. But And the random word X I've probably done 3,000 times. But I think what I would say for people is take it one step at a time. You know, in communication, it's a lot harder to go from zero to one than one to 100. Yeah. So when we start taking that journey from zero to one, like when you started the podcast, that's the hardest thing. Oh, yeah. And then once, once you start the podcast, you're like, yeah, whatever. It's just talking to Brendan. We go on to the next one. Yeah. No, yeah, still, still fun and exciting. Oh yeah, of course, but it's it's less stressful. It's less stressful. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is, it is. Yeah, but I think that's that's also because I, if we just take my podcast as an example, I I I got structure, right? I got a process around it, um, so that that helps and free up to be more, you know, saying, oh, these are the questions. This is what we want to talk about. This is the conversation. Um, so that's the structure around it helps, but also, of course, the practice. Exactly. Um, But what about so the the slide deck, right? You have the 50 page, right? And it's just the dying of that PowerPoint. Um, and you have somebody saying, Oh, I need to present it, right? And they're like rehearsing and practice and doing everything they can. And, and they're like, Oh, I need to remember everything. Um, and then it doesn't go that well. So what 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 is it to present? You know, you want, I think you want the quality, right? But it doesn't need, maybe you need 50 slides. So where, where are we going with all these presentations? How, how can we improve it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you an easy trick that everyone can do that nobody's doing. And I call it practicing presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, those toy puzzles we used to do as kids, you know, you put those puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Right. So the question we need to all ask ourselves is whenever we're doing a puzzle, which pieces do we start with first? And the answer is the corner pieces. 
right? Because you find the corners in the box. Yeah. They're easy to find. Put them together and then work your way into the middle. Yeah. So why am I telling you that analogy in the context of our conversation? The reason is because in communication center, we don't do that. We start with the middle first. We shove a bunch of content. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so thanks. Not the right approach. So yeah. instead, practice your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice just the intro 50 times until it's perfect 50 seems like a big number it actually isn't santa because your intro is 90 seconds yeah it'll take you an hour do the same thing with the close what's a great movie with the terrible ending terrible movie same thing with the close then the middle you have done this a lot of times <laughs> so what, what are some of the feedback you're getting when when you're actually teaching or the feedback you're getting from your youtube videos Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever I teach something, I definitely preach it. You know, my my approach has always been as a facilitator, as a thought leader in the space, is I'm not an academic. You know, I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. I have nothing to do with communication. Yeah. But what I do have is I'm a practitioner. So yeah. I'm like a mad scientist. So if something's not getting results for clients, I change up the strategy until it does. Yeah. So everything that I've I teach on a podcast or in a workshop or with clients is battle tested. It works. And that's the so obviously because of that and because I have so many long dinners <laughs> with my with my audience, I've been able I've been able to really have the main quality that I think most of us as thought leaders don't have, which yeah. is this empathy. You know, we don't see the invisible thousand, two thousand people who are listening to this conversation now. And most people don't even acknowledge the audience. So I think that's the big miss for most people. Yeah. How has the the public speaking or just the way we communicate, how how have that changed now through and over the, the pandemic? And we're still in it at, at somehow, right? How has that changed? Yeah, I would say the biggest difference between before and now is that the mediums of technology haven't changed, Senna, but the adoption rate has changed significantly. So yeah. what does that mean? That means that Zoom, Teams, all this stuff existed before, but now it's really becoming mainstay. So now hybrid is going to be the future. We're not going to go back to just in person and some online, there's going to be a lot more online, which means knowing how to present virtually is a permanent skill, yeah. not a temporary one for the pandemic. I think that's the biggest shift. So yeah. we need to know how to we need we need we need to know how to deliver the same quality online as well as offline. Yeah. What what about the culture? You can say that there's that when you then have these meetings, right? It's not everybody who turns on the camera. What does that do to your the way you communicate and and the way you do your your public speaking? If you have you know ten people and it's maybe just one has the camera on and everybody else is off, right? So it obviously makes it more challenging for sure. Whenever yeah. we're delivering presentations, so there's a couple of angles I would go in there, Sana. So the first angle is if you're the person giving the presentation. So if you're the person giving the presentation, we need to understand that energy is harder to get online. It's yeah. a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person. So the key is you got to increase your energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible back yeah. in person. But the other angle is if you're the person listening to the Zoom call, to the Teams workshop, here's my recommendation. Every time you show up in a meeting, it's a reflection of your personal brand. 
And you don't want to show up badly in an online meeting, which means I definitely recommend you turn on the camera and play as if your life was on the line because it helps you take these online meetings more seriously and your personal brand will have a positive reflection in the org you're working for. Yeah. I've seen some that if, if somebody start to turn off the camera, you know, other team member will, will mirror that. So it's like who come on, who actually started the meeting, uh, even if, you know, if other people in the team can actually start the meeting, if they start it and don't have their camera on, then that mirror the rest of, of, of the team. Um, so just just an, an observation. Um, so I, I would like to talk about because I really like that you're saying you have all these dinners. Um, and that's how I see, you know, how you build relationships as well, right? That's how you, you create your community. How, that's how you network as well. Um, so by having all these Zoom and team meetings and this hybrid or, you know, if it's half and half in the office, um, if, you, if you have a meeting in the office, you, you will chit chat before the meeting starts. Right, um, and when the meeting's over, you will chit chat as well. That's that's like how it is, and it will be more right. But now, with, if you are like in the, just in the team world or the the Zoom world, um, if you're like ten people, if two people are talking, it's not like two other people can start communicating, right? That's there can only be like one conversation. There can be more people in it, but it can only be one conversation. Um, and then when you end the meeting, it's like. Okay, we're over, and then you just you you check out, right? You don't have that chit chat of of you know what's going on or, or or other stuff. So so how how does that affect? I know we're going more into the culture, but does how does that affect you know how we communicate when we're talking about in in the work environment? Right. So you're really referring to those water cooler conversations that yeah. aren't really happening anymore, yeah. Because you know you're you're kind of like ten people and two people interacting on the call. Yeah. So how do we fix that? So that's more of a, to your point, a more of a culture conversation. Okay, yeah. And I would say this, as executive leaders of the org, we need to be proactive in managing the culture, especially for running remote teams. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind, depending on what the budget is. If the budget's high enough, obviously you want to do retreats, but the other piece is what are some little steps that we can do? One that I don't see a lot in the onboarding process for companies, Santa, is they don't introduce people who live in the same city to each other, which I think is really bizarre. Mm -hmm. Because if you did that more, you can, let's say they're all around the world, but two people live in Berlin or two people live in yeah. Montreal or two people live in New York. You want to make sure they, those two people know each other. So at least there's some mini culture groups, subgroups yeah. that are being built. But the other piece is also being proactive about one-on-one -on -one coffees, especially as leaders, increasing the number of mentorship calls so that at least it's not as water coolie as it could be, but there's more interaction. One other thing that I like to do with my teams, because a lot of my team is remote too, is we always start our meetings with gratitude. So like, what's something that you're grateful for? We'd kind of do like a quick round nice. table with like our, let's say our yeah. five, seven people. Yeah. And it's quick, it's easy, and it, it gets people excited and, yeah. and energized. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you some kind of relationship, right? Of what's, what's actually happening in, in their world. Um, I want to go back to the, uh, you know, the skill set because um, with all your amazing videos and, and how you're just teaching here as well. And I'm like, oh, listening like this, how, how do you learn new skills? Yeah, great question, Santa. So as you can imagine, the the I, I haven't stopped learning because I've always believed that the best the best coaches have coaches. Yeah. Right. So I invest a significant amount of my financial capital and time into people that I think are better than me in specific areas, even if I'm I'm fairly competent at them. Like I'll get an example. A few months ago I flew out to Los Angeles to learn from a guy who charged like 120 grand a year to work with him one on one. 
which obviously I'm not ready for just yet. But I sat down just for one of his workshops for three days, even if I teach influence to my clients, but I sat down for three days as if I was a beginner because I'm always trying to learn from who's the best in the world at that specific niche in communication and to keep refining. And the other piece is for my advanced clients, like, cause they always question everything I do, which is what I want them to do because it pushes me to be better too. Okay. So is it, so on a weekly basis, how much are you like out of your comfort zone? I mean, I think it really depends. I wouldn't go week by week. I think it's oh, more okay, month just, by month. Yeah. yeah, I would say month by month. But yeah. the comfort zone is a bit different. I mean, I'm not jumping out of a plane. I think it's more about, <laughs> I, I think it's more about, like, obviously podcasting in many ways. Yeah. Especially with some of the tougher hosts. They ask me a lot of really, really hard questions that I haven't really thought of in communication, which I think is really fascinating. That's one way. The yeah. second one's definitely the advanced coach classes that I lead. And the third one, is the coaching calls that I have with my coaches who who always spit in my face and and push me to to become a b- bigger and better version of myself those are the three yeah. main ones yeah. yeah 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 so it does happen on, on a monthly basis right because I I see myself that that I need to push myself to be in that uncomfortable zone not every day but but because that's how I grow right that's how I learn and that's how I become better and then when you've done it a few times in that area and what you've learning that new skills then suddenly you're like yeah I know that one now. And then you jump to to, to the next one. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll add more clarity too, because I, I think the reason I'm underplaying this, because a lot of things that would be super uncomfortable people, I don't find uncomfortable. So let me list them out. So that might add more clarity because I'm still crazy. I spend three hours a week rapping. Yeah. Right. And the reason is because it's really good for pacing. But yeah. most people wouldn't even do one song, but I do this three hours a week. I can karaoke in eight different languages. Uh, I go clubbing with my family once every six months. There's like my cousins and stuff because it really pushes me out of my comfort zone. Those are just some examples of things that I do to really set myself apart. The last 30 days, I worked on a stand-up comedy module for my clients. So yeah. I had them do stand-up comedy and I participated as well because I have to show leadership. Yeah. And then another thing I did this year was uh, taking personal stories that are really traumatic. This is really advanced, by the way, so don't do this, people, that are really traumatic and pretending to be them. So, so it really helps you push pain and communicate yeah. pain to people. Wow, you are like all out there. That's that's yeah. amazing. No, but but it's I think it's good to hear, right? Because you like, um, yeah, no, but you're a thought leader, um, and then to hear, you know, how you actually are pushing yourself and getting to to new limits. Um, I I think that's that's really important. Um, so let's 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 talk about you know you you know so much here, right? But if you have to give yourself like an advice, um, what kind of advice will you give yourself if you looked at yourself like ten years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many pieces of advice that I would give to my my younger self. I think the biggest one, there's a lot, but I'd say the most important one is to celebrate successes. I think when you're really ambitious in life, one of the challenges is that we don't smell roses along the way. You know, Aubrey Marcus, who's a spiritual thought leader and business guy, he says it so well. He, He has this podcast and he said in a podcast, what if this was the only lifetime that we got to smell roses? What if like roses didn't exist in a hundred years? Yeah. Would we appreciate them more today? And I found that so, so deep and thoughtful because we never really appreciate the roses in our garden, even if a lot of them are growing really well. And I don't just mean roses, flowers. I mean, the roses and the, the things that we're doing really well in our life. So that would be the advice. Yeah, that's a good one. So what did you celebrate this week? 
Yeah, for this week, it was a vacation, actually. I took a nine-day vacation. I just got back from like a few days ago. So spending time with family, kissing my six-month-old niece, you know, so that that was fun. That's good. Yeah, vacation is good, right? We have to really appreciate it. And also just take breaks during the day and don't just sit in front of that computer all the time. Um, so if any of the listener wants to, to reach out to you, how, what's the best way to connect with you? Absolutely, Simon. It was such a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is definitely the Master Talk YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube, type Master Talk, you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is attending one of my live free trainings over Zoom. I do a free one every three weeks. Super fun, live, interactive. It's not a boring webinar, and I'm the one who facilitates it. So if you want to register for that, it's rockstarcommunicator.com. Nice. And I, I will add all the links to the to the show notes and also make sure it's on the episode page for, for mindinnovation.com. So Brendan, thank you so much. I, I'm like blown away here. And I think to learn, you know, not that I'm not smiling, uh, but uh, just to learn, you know, the, the practice every day. I think I'm, I'm going to, to try and to use that one, just to pick a topic and then start like talking about it. And then I'll listen to myself. Right. But uh, but do that every day. That's that's uh, that's my takeaway here. Yeah, do it with your family if you if you live with family. That's the easiest way to stay accountable to that one. And thanks for having me, Osprey. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind Innovation Podcast. New episodes are dropping bi-weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vending. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind Innovation. Or go to my website, sanavending.com or mindinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning.